Everything else has to be removed. Our affections towards everything else has to be removed and put in its proper perspective. Because Lord, you come first before anything. You come first before friends. You, be, you come first before family, husbands, wives, children. You come first. Because Lord, if we don't have a right relationship with you, then we cannot have a right relationship with them. So Father, help us all, Lord, to be pleasing in your sight. We know, Lord, that it's not in and of ourselves that we are made righteous, but it's only by the blood of Jesus. We are sanctified through the Spirit of God, by the Word of God. We are sanctified, Lord. Our thoughts are challenged and changed. Father, I pray that you would move in our midst tonight. Lord, you said what two or three are gathered together in your name, there you are in the midst of them. And so, Father, we reverence you, we respect you. And Lord, we give you all the honor, the glory, and the praise because we realize that this is not our house, but this is your house, and we are the guests. You're not the guests, but we are. And so, Father, I ask that you would speak to us clearly through your word. And Lord, let that word that is spoken to us, Lord, let that word be mixed with faith in us. Lord, let it not fall upon deaf ears, but Lord, help each and every one of us to be doers of the word and not hearers only because Lord we know that father that the children of Israel had a promise right before them and you had promised it unto them and showed it to them you gave them proof through your five men that went before them those five leaders and even though five came back with an evil report Lord five came back with a good report but Father, because the word that they heard in their, in their ears was not mixed with faith in their hearts, they wandered around, Lord, for 40 years, and they never got in. Lord, we know that that whole generation died off. And Lord, only two men out of that generation was left. Joshua and Caleb, Lord, those that, that had a, a different spirit. Lord, help us to have a different spirit than everyone else that was around us, Lord. Help us to have a, a spirit that believes you no matter what. Help us to have that spirit that presses on even when our flesh says no. Help our spirit to be steadfast in you. Give us a steadfast spirit so that, Lord, no matter what comes against us, no matter what we see with our eyes, no matter how many things are going haywire around us, no matter how many people may fall away or, the, or how many people may walk away from us or away from you, help us to stay steadfast, Lord, because you said it's only those that endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. Lord, you didn't tell us everything that we're going to have to go through in this life. But you did tell us to remain faithful. You did tell us that, that, that you wanted to find us watching when you come. You don't want us to be like those virgins that fell asleep and had no oil. And you caught them unaware. But Lord, help us to be aware of the times that we're living in. Help us to be aware of our own hearts. And the things that our hearts may lust or long after. Help, Lord, identify those things before they even become a reality in our lives. Because, Lord, you don't want us to go after anything else except you. And, Lord, you, 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 you're a good God. You're a good father. And, Lord, you, you bless us with things. So the things is not what we should be after. But we should be after the blesser and not the blessing. 
So, Father, I thank you right now, Father. Help us to be a people of priority. They put you first, Lord. No matter what, Lord, that we're not swayed by popular opinion or what people feel and, and what people think. No matter if it may be those of our own denomination or even those of our own household. But, Lord, help us to hear one voice and to obey one voice. And that's your voice because you said that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. If it didn't come from your mouth, Lord, it will not nourish our lives. It will not build us up spiritually. It will not get us ready for heaven if it did not come from your mouth. So, Father, help us to discern the voices that's around us, Lord. Help us to discern the voices of the preachers and the, and the pastors and the bishops and, and the people around us, even the laity, Lord, even those in the pew. Help us to discern whether or not we're hearing if it's coming from you. Because we know that, Lord, that's the thing that we should live by, by your word. So, Father, I ask that you would minister to us tonight, that you would help me to teach this class. Lord, anoint me. Father, I yield myself as a vessel unto you. Lord, I ask that you surround this place by your angels. I pray that you expel every demonic spirit, that you would expel it in the name of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus, Lord. Because we know that those things are real, Lord. We know that people try to operate in things, and, and not those saying in here, Father, but those in this world try to operate in those areas. But, Father, we know that greater is he that is within us than he that is in the world. And those that will come against us, Lord, we come against them right now in the name of Jesus. And we put to flight every demon in the name of Jesus. We cancel every curse in the name of Jesus. Lord, we come against it in Jesus' name. Father, speak through your word right now, Father, we ask you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good evening. How is everyone? Everybody got your six-inch binder? Oh, Lord. Did I, did I say last week to get a folder or a binder? Oh, okay. All right. I'm going to let you slide this time, sister. I'm going to let you slide this time. <laughs> I'm going to let you slide this time. But, uh, that's, all right. We got to separate y'all two right here. We got to move you over a little bit this way. <laughs> Well, everyone, uh, bring your papers back to class so that we can refer back to them. Uh, and also, did anybody get your uh, Strong's Concordance yet? Nobody got your Strong's Concordance? This uh, Strong's Concordance, it might be the new Strong's. I'm not sure what it is now, but I think it is the new Strong's. That's, uh, but you want the Strong's Exhaustive Concordance, whether it's new or expanded or whatever. You want the new, I mean, I'm sorry, the, the Strong's Concordance. The, the exhaustive Strong's Concordance. Not just a Strong's Concordance, but the exhaustive Strong's Concordance. Because, of course, most of us know when you're exhausted, what does that mean? That means that you can't go anymore, right? That you mean that you've, you've done all you can do. So in that particular Strong's Concordance, the exhaustive Strong's Concordance, that means that they put forth all the effort that they could put forth to put it together. And within that Strong's Concordance, there is all of the scriptures in the entire Bible. All of the scriptures. And so when you, uh, when you get your, your Strong's Concordance, let me see. Uh, Sister Wilhelmina, would you do me a favor, please? There is in the, the secretary's office, there is a Strong's Concordance. It was on the floor. I don't know what they did with it now, but it's red. If you can't find it, don't worry about it. 
But uh, I'd like for you to get that and just kind of just pass it around so everybody can look at it so you can see what I'm talking about. Thank you, man. All right. Um, we're going to pick back up in Genesis chapter 6. And of course, in Genesis chapter 6 is where we begin to deal with the generation of Noah. And of course, I'm sure everyone remembers Noah. And how can we associate Noah with his ark? And how many people know what the Noah's ark represents? Symbolically, it's an ark. It, 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 the ark was used to save mankind, right? Or a portion of mankind who heeded the warning of Noah. Because just like today, Sister Arlene, everybody's not going to heed the warning. Everybody's not going to listen. There were some people who even, what, mocked Noah, made fun of Noah because he was preaching a message, but their eyes did not see what he was referring to yet. The preacher gets in the pulpit and he preaches and Sister Arlene teaches uh, uh, Sunday school and on Monday nights and things like that. But yet there are things that are coming upon the earth that have not been seen yet. And just because it has not been seen does not mean that it's not coming. And it is the preacher's job and it is the bishop's job and it is everyone else's job that ministers the word of God to warn the people. See, we can't be one sided in what we teach and preach. It's not all just God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. And God going to give you a Mercedes Benz and God going to give you a big old house on the hill. God wants to give us all of that. But yet he wants us to have things in proper perspective. And proper priority. But all of us know when those things become more important to us, then God has to what? He has to start allowing some of those things to be touched. Because they, they, they're becoming more important to us than him. And he wants us to love, uh, love him with what? Oh, all of our heart. All of our soul. All of our mind. And all of our strength. That means everything. That's all you have. Your entire, what, what was he saying to put it all in a nutshell? God wants us to love him with everything that is within us. It's a big book. Yeah. Wants us to love him with everything that is within us. And how many people know that it is easy to get into a place where things have taken, before we even notice it, have taken our heart away from God. And if anything takes our heart away from God, then we, we have to rethink that thing and reposition that and reposition ourselves. And how many people know that we can get drunk on the things of this world? We can get drunk on a whole lot of things, not just, not just alcohol. You get drunk on pleasure. You get drunk on, on a whole lot of things. But yet God, down through the generation, starting with Adam, has been trying to deal with the nature, now while y'all look at this, listen to me, please. Pass it around, please. Well, you could just open it up, just look at it and see what it is, or look on the cover and see what it is. But God, down through the generations, have been trying 
to deal with man. And God has been trying to, to keep man within a certain perimeter called his will. And God said that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. How did God lead and guide Adam? Did he, did he get a chalkboard and write on the chalkboard and say, Adam, you're supposed to do this and you're supposed to do that. And Adam, you're supposed to do that. How did God lead Adam? God led Adam by his voice, by his voice. And if we're going to know the way that we're supposed to operate in this world, and if we're, and if we're going to know the way we're supposed to go every day in our lives, we have to hear God. We have to be able to hear him. Because how many people know that there are so many voices around us? There are so many things, so many things going on around us. You know, and, and, and if you turn on your TV, you get caught up, Sister Betty, in TV, and it's like CNN saying this, and Channel 8 saying that, and Channel 4 saying the other thing, and then you read the newspaper, and this going on in the newspaper, and that's going on in the newspaper, but where is God in the midst of all of that? What is God saying? We can't, we can't lose ourselves in our present world and the things that are going on around us, because God is speaking and you look at the, everything has, is starting to accelerate today. Anybody know what I'm talking about? They just had what they call a pride parade. And it's like at one point, oh, well, they're coming out of the closet. Well, I was telling my wife the other day, I said, if, if there was, like some people said, well, there's nothing wrong with that. It's an alternative lifestyle. It's the way they want to live and this, that, and the other. Well, God says it's an abomination. Uh, but if there, was, if there wasn't anything wrong with it, Brother David, why were they in the closet in the first place? Huh? Think about it. If I have to hide something, that means that there's something wrong with it. But if I can be wide open in front of everybody and everything else, and look, I'm just saying. So, but, but God, but God wants People. He's, he's been warning us and showing us and, and showing us and warning us. And so we can't lose. We can't afford to let ourselves not hear God's voice because we have to know when to move and what direction to move in. Because God, let me tell you something. It was only those that obeyed the voice of God when the death angel came over Egypt and God was taking the firstborn. If they hadn't put that blood over their house, guess what? They would have lost their firstborn. It was only those who listened to Noah and got inside of that ark that were saved. Because God, if God had not judged the world, then he would have been unjust. But some people say, well, if God loves us, why does he send us to hell? No, wrong answer. Huh? Wrong answer. God has never sent anybody to hell. He gives us his law. He gives us his word. He gives us direction right here. And he's 66 books. And it's up to you and I to do what those 66 books say. And if we don't do what those 66 books say, then there are consequences. No matter how much God loves us, if we do what he says not to do, then we'll get what, what the consequence is. Let's begin in verse 1, chapter 6 of Genesis. I think we started there last time, but we'll go and cover it again. 
Sometimes I go back a little bit. Sister Audrey said, out, and she was telling me the other day, she said, I don't figure you out. You go back a little bit, but you coming back. How <laughs> I many know it's not, a, it's not nothing wrong with being reminded? And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born unto them that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair. And they took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, my spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh. Yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, and, uh, and, and the same became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. So I tell you what those giants were, those mighty men of renown. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil Continuously, the thoughts of whose heart? Man's heart. Was only evil continuously. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine a world with, with, with people that they don't even think one good thought? Huh? You know, and, and, and the Bible said that in the last days men will be lovers of themselves and men will be unholy, unthankful, and truce breakers and all that kind of stuff. And, and when God does not constrain a person's life, they become unrestrained and they become reckless when we don't abide by what he says. Verse six. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beasts, and the creeping thing, and the fowls of the air. And it repented me that I have made them. God already knew what man was going to do, but yet God had to allow man to have his own free will. Because if he had not allowed him to have his own free will, then man would have been nothing more than a robot. God is not trying to control us. Some people present God like he's trying to control us. No, he's not. No, he's not. God wants us to serve him out of a willingness. God wants us to serve him out of, out of love and out of devotion. God does not want somebody that, that, that serves him because they feel like they have to. I'm just trying not to go to hell. I'm just trying to do the right thing so I don't suffer judgment. No, serve God because you love him. Verse 8, and Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was what? A just man and perfect in his generation. So what, what, does, what does perfect mean? Does it mean that he didn't do anything wrong? Huh? Perfect means mature means that he was mature in his generation and he was just. He was just in his dealing. Isn't that what we say in our, our covenant? That we're going to be just in our dealings? 
Because a Christian is not supposed to be doing all kind of underhanded stuff. You see what I'm saying? And, 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 and didn't a few verses ago, God said that he saw what man was doing. Sometimes we do things like God's not not watching. Sometimes we do things like God doesn't even know what we did. Sometimes we whisper stuff about somebody under our breath like God didn't hear that whisper. Huh? Sometimes we think those secret thoughts like God just don't know what we're what we thinking. <laughs> Have mercy, Lord. Noah walked with God. What does that mean, that Noah walked with God? It means that he didn't walk behind him. He didn't walk in front of him. He stayed in step with God. When God stepped, he stepped. When God went to the right, he went to the right. When God went to the left, he went to the left. That's, that's, how, that's how God wants us to live our lives. God wants us to walk with him. The Bible says, I've said it so many times, but the Bible says, he has shown thee, O man, mean man and woman, what is good and what the Lord requires of thee. But to do what? Justly. What was Moses, uh, Noah just? To do justly. To love what? Mercy. And to do what? Walk humbly with your God. I cannot say that he is my God, but yet I'm walking this way and he's walking that way. I cannot say that I belong to him and I'm hanging over there with the devil and he's going on over that way. I can't say that. I can't rightfully say that. But if he's my God, that means that I need to be walking with him. And what does walking with him mean? That means in fellowship. With him, the Bible says, How can two walk together except they be agreed? Right, and so it also means that we have to be in agreement with God to walk with God. And the Bible, and, it, and I just said it, but it said that how can two walk together except they be agreed? So that means that my mind has to be uh, knit together with his mind. That means I need to take out some old thinking and start thinking like he thinks. Because as long as I'm keep thinking like I've been thinking and not like he's thinking, I can't walk with him. They can't be in a fellowship because how many know that before you can do a thing, you must think a thing. And if I'm thinking like him, Brother David, that means that when he moves, I know hey, I see the way now nah, I'm going to follow him. Because my mind it's not just I'm coming to church on Sunday. It's not just uh, that I'm coming to Bible study on Tuesday, but it's that I'm walking with him. We are in complete and total fellowship. I'm in fellowship with him. If somebody else is in my life and they start walking contrary to him, guess what? They either have to come into conformity, Sister Betty, with him, or I'm going to have to go the other way. Because I cannot afford to be caught outside of the ark. I can't afford to be caught up in the judgment of God. And God is going to judge everything that's not righteous. God is going to judge everything that's not holy. God is going to judge everything that is not pure. God is going to judge everything that's contrary to him. You hear what I say? He's going to judge everything. If I stop walking with God, forbid, but if I stop walking with God today and go the other way, guess what? God's going to judge me. I'm not going to get none of that what God was talking about giving me, but I'm going to get just the opposite because I brought it on myself. He walked with God. Verse 10. And Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth also was what? Corrupt. What does that mean? Corrupt. Oh, yeah. What is it today? Corrupt. So that means that we're not far from the days of Noah. Isn't that right? That means that we're experiencing the same kind of stuff that Noah experienced. I said one time, I said, you know, spirit never dies. 
It never dies. I heard uh, Reverend Fiffy said that up here, and I was like, what? He said the same thing I've been saying. Spirit never dies. Do you understand what I mean when I say that spirit never dies? That means that the same type of person that lived back there when Noah was living is the same type of person that's living in our day. The same disposition of the people and the thinking of the people are the same. It's a different, it's a different uh, uh, time. We dress different. We talk different. But yet this, that spirit and that what? That heart. Because Jesus said out of the abundance of the heart. Isn't that right? He said it's not what goes into a man that defiles a man, but it is what comes out of that man. That defiles him. Well, what comes out of him? Adultery, lust, murder, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, lying, deceitful, all that stuff. All of that comes from right in here. Isn't that something? That that one individual can have all of that in them. But yet, let me say this, because I thought about it. You know, I was talking about generational things. But it's not just the negative stuff that we look back in our generations and see, but it's also the positive things. Hold up. My uncle served God. You see what I'm saying? My my aunt served God and they did remarkable things for God. They were righteous people. But let me say this also that some people think that just because they are good people and they never do anybody anything wrong, they go to church, they go to work. They provide for their family. They're not alcoholics. They're not on drugs. They take care of their children and all that kind of stuff. All that's great. But nevertheless, unless they are inside of that ark, when the water comes, they will be swept away. Because the Bible said that all of the righteousness of man is as filthy rags. It doesn't mean anything in the sight of God. Now, that will get us some pats on the back from one another. Oh, man, you're a good fellow, my brother David. You're a good, good guy. You know, Reverend Lewis, he's, 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 a, he's a good fellow. He's, I mean, he's an upstanding citizen and everything, man. But yet, if I don't stay in the ark of safety, Reverend Lewis is going to get swept away. Isn't that right? So it's, it's not our goodness. When I was in high school, I had a teacher that said, well, I believe, you know, if I'm good enough and this, that, and other. And some people think if they give to, you know, St. Jude and all that kind of thing, that they're going to make it into heaven. No. <clears throat> Wrong answer again. Because the Bible says it's not by works, lest any man should boast. But it's by what? Grace through faith in what? The blood of Jesus that we're saved. Where did we leave off at? All right. Verse 11. And the earth also was corrupt before God. And the earth was filled with violence. Sounds like today. So I think that it will behoove us to start listening to God to, to find out, Lord, what do I need to do? And, and, and Lord, please speak to me so I know what I need to do in my life and where I need to position myself so that I can get inside of that ark. Maybe you can't see that ark today, but that ark is Jesus. So I can stay inside of Jesus because the Bible talks about us being in Christ. Isn't that right? In Christ. In Christ. You have been saved in Christ. We have to be in Christ. And what does that mean? That we have to find ourselves in the right position. Isn't that right? 
How do we get there? By having fellowship, by, by faith, and by staying obedient to God and to his voice. Yeah. Earth was full of violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For what? All flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. I just want to put that right there. Are you serious? All flesh. All flesh had corrupt his way upon the earth. But yet, if you notice, God always has a remnant. Verse 13. And God said, what? Said unto Noah, the end of all flesh is come before me. What's the problem? The problem is the flesh. The problem for you is the flesh. The problem for me is the flesh. Because the flesh wants to do what the flesh wants to do. And the Bible said that the flesh and the spirit war against one another. And so there, there, there is always, have you ever felt that before? You ever felt that tug of war? When God wants you to go this way, but your flesh says, no, let's go this way. This way looks so much better. And it looks like it's going to be so much fun over there. You mean I'm missing out on all that over there? I heard somebody say everything that looks good is not good. Huh? Sometimes the, the, the thing that looks so inviting and so good is the thing that we really need to be running from. Because sometimes the, the, the way that we should go is hard. It's not easy. It's not easy when everybody else is going that way and looking like they're having so much fun. And we have to say no to the flesh and no to ourselves. All oh, but the rewards, though. The rewards. Because all those people that were, that were in Noah's day, that were doing their own thing and corrupting their flesh and having a party and all this kind of stuff are the same people that were knocking at the door at all, trying to get in. Because God will allow, now God is merciful. God is loving, Kendrick. He's loving, he's merciful, he's patient, he's all of that. But yet the Bible said that the Lord's, he, the reason why he's so patient that he don't want anyone to be lost. He wills that all men be saved. So God knocks at the door. No response. They keep doing that thing. God knocks at the door. No response. They keep doing that thing. God knocks at the door again. No response. They keep doing their own thing. So one day, God says, look, this is it. This is it. Because there is a line. Even though God is merciful. See, there's not a lot of preaching on that today because everything is, is, is bless me, bless me, bless me. God don't get this, God don't get that. But yet there is a line in God where God says, look, you, you've done your thing long enough. Now it's about to rain. So either you're going to follow uh, Noah and get into that ark or I'm about, I'm about, to, I'm about to burst forth the, the fountains of the deep and I'm about to put an end to all of this. Because God will only put up with things so long. God is on. You see all this stuff that's happening in New Orleans and, and other places and whatnot and this, that, and the other. And Chicago and the way they're killing people in Chicago and all that. God only going to put up with that for so long. For so long. And at the same time, while all that's going on, the preacher needs to be preaching as hard as he can. The Sunday school teacher needs to be teaching as hard as she can. And everybody else that's ministering the world need to be doing it like it's their last time because that might be the last time you see that person. Yes. But yet, God is, God is merciful and God is always reaching out. But, but, 
the problem is this right here. Are we reaching back? God's reaching out to us, but are we reaching back to him? And I know that there are some people in here that love God, that's following God and all those kind of things. But I also know that there's a devil that's going to challenge you every day. Every day. Every day you wake up, he's already up looking at you. Get up. And he's already and already put on somebody's mind some kind of little lie, a trick, a scheme, and all those kind of things. But the thing that we have to remember is that there is an ark and there is a time when God's going to put an end to all that. All those people that think they're getting away with so much stuff. All those people that think they're sliding by and nobody notices. The Bible said, we just read it, God saw. He saw what was going on. You best believe God sees everything before the news people even see it. He sees it. And there's going to come a time when he's going to say, that's it. Because God's not going to allow man to, 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 to raise his fist to him. He's not, I'm sorry, he's not. All right, where are we at? Verse 13. Show me somebody following along. All right. I'm just messing with y'all. <clears throat> and God said unto Noah, the end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with what? With the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher, Go for wood, rooms shalt thou make in the ark, and shall pitch it within and without with pitch. And this is the fashion which thou shalt make it of. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, and the breadth of it 50 cubits, and the height of it 30 cubits. Let me say this before we move on, that God will show you how to get ready for judgment. God will show us the things that we need to do to be prepared. And I think right now we're in hurricane season and we need to be prepared for that. But God will show us how to get prepared for the things that are coming upon the earth. And believe me, it's not a joke. There's some things that's coming upon the earth and some things that are already here. Verse 16, a window shalt thou make to the ark and in a cubit shalt thou finish it above, and the door of the ark shalt thou set in the side thereof with lower second and third stories, and shalt thou make it. Let me ask you this. Where was Jesus pierced at? Where was the door of the ark? Okay. All right. Verse 17. And behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth, to destroy all what? All flesh. Look like God been dealing with flesh for a long time, huh? Wherein is the breath of life from under heaven, and everything that is in the earth shall do what? Shall die. There's nothing that shall escape the judgment of God. Nothing and nobody. Nobody is that pretty, nobody's that handsome, nobody's that cute, nobody's that rich or that poor to escape the judgment of God. Nobody will escape it. And so I think that it behooves all of us, not saying you're not, but it behooves all of us to make sure that we have our business in order, our priorities in order, and that we're living, actually living the Christian life. Verse 18, but thee, but with thee will I establish my covenant, and thou shalt come into the ark, 
thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy sons' wives with thee. Verse 19. And of every living thing of all flesh, two of every sort shalt thou bring into the ark to keep them alive with with thee. They shall be male and female of fowls after their kind and of cattle after their kind of every creeping thing of the earth after his kind. Two of every sort shall shall come unto thee. To keep them what? Alive. Verse 21. And take thee, take thou, I'm sorry, unto thee of all food that is eaten, and thou shalt gather it to thee, and it shall be for food for thee and for them. Thus did Noah according to what? All that God commanded him, so did he. I believe it's Genesis chapter one. What does it say? That everything produced after its kind. So what really was God doing? Anybody know it when you look at it and it said that there were the great whales and everything produced after its kind. And that um, that uh, of all the things that were on the earth, just think back a couple of chapters. What was God doing right here? What was he doing? Why was he? Flooding the earth. Why was he doing what he was doing? There you go. There you go. He was, he was beginning again. God does not throw anybody away. He took that same flesh man and began again. And in our, in our lives, sometimes we haven't always done what God wanted us to do, but yet God doesn't throw us away. God just takes that same person and does what? Begins again. Jesus asked Peter, well, after he had messed up and denied him, he said, but Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. Jesus didn't say, get away from me, Peter. You messed up. I don't want anything else to do with you. He said, feed my sheep. We're going to take you, that same person that messed up, and we're going to begin again. Huh? When, when, when uh, God told, told Jeremiah to go down to the potter's house, he said that he went down to the potter's house and he saw a wheel that, was, that, that it had a, a lump of clay on it. And the potter was, you know how the wheel spins around and, he, you know, form it and fashion it into the, the, whatever image the potter has in his mind. But it said while the wheel was spinning that there were, uh, that it was marred. That it was it was it was deformed in his hand in his while it was in his hand. Sometimes while we're in God's hands, things come against us. And sometimes we make mistakes, even though we were in his hands. But yet it said that the potter didn't take that lump of clay sister Betty and just throw it away. It said the potter took that lump of clay and made another vessel from that same lump of clay. Oh, man, y'all be shouting for y'all something. That same lump of clay. But yet here it is. God is saying, look, I made man. I know that man right now is all kinds of wrong. He's just wrong as two left shoes or two right shoes. However you want to look at it. He's just wrong. He's doing all kind of evil. He's turning against me. He's doing his own thing and all that kind of thing. But let me tell you something. I'm going to send this water in there and I'm going to drown everybody. He said, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a drunk. Now, does, does that sound like a merciful God? <laughs> you know how you look at it, huh, Sister Betty? 
Is that a merciful God? Go with me before we, uh, we're going to stop right there in uh, Genesis for tonight. But I want you to look at, would you look at a couple of scriptures with me? All right, Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24, beginning with verse 27, 37, I'm sorry. Let me get over there. Matthew 24, beginning with verse 37. Let's begin with verse 36. I'm going to read through 38. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my father only. But as the days of Noah, now my Bible is spelled N-O-E, but that's who it's talking about, Noah. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until. Y'all heard that? Until. You ought to tell your neighbor, go knock on their door and say it's until. The day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the son of man be. Now look at Luke chapter three, verse 36. We're going to go through a few scriptures and then we're going to close. Luke three thirty-six. It just basically gives you right here the uh, genealogy. It said, which was the son of Canaan, which was the son of Arphaxed, which was the son of, it says S-E-M, but it's Shem, which was the son of Noah, which was the son of Lamech. Anybody remember what Noah means? Uh-oh. Oh, uh, let, me, let me tell you this also. Nobody remembers? Y'all getting close. It's got to do with peace. You do it every night. <laughs> rest. There it is. Noah means rest. That he would give. And, and you know, let, let me say this again. Can I say something? It is so important. Because nowadays we live in a day that is so selfish. Would you agree? Yeah. Selfish people. I mean, people cut you off in traffic. People walk right in front of you at the store. Don't say excuse me. None of that will reach right over you. Get some eggs and something like you ever had to have. Yeah, one one dish. You shopping and somebody just reach right over you. Don't say excuse me or nothing. Selfish. But yet we should always, me, you, everybody that, that connected with Jesus, should always ask God every day, God, what do you want me to do in this world today? What do you want me, who do you want me to talk to today? Because we see a person, but we don't know what the end of that person is. We don't know if, we, if we'll ever see them again. 
ever. So to me, we, me, you, I'm, I'm not, this is what I say, me also. I need to ask God, you know, don't let me just do no small talk with somebody, but let me deposit something in their lives that will alter the course of their lives, or if they're going in the right way, will keep them going in the right way. Because all we have is today, is right now. That's it. That's all we have is right now. Did we read Luke chapter 17? I don't think we turned there yet. Let's look at Luke chapter 17, starting with verse 26. 17, Luke 17, 26. I'm going to show you something towards the last couple of verses that we're going to read. Luke 17, 26. And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives. They were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. So when you look at it, it's like they really were doing what people's doing, what people are doing today. They're living their lives. No matter how, you know, some of them, well, the Bible said that all flesh had corrupted itself during that time. But yet they were just going about their daily routine like they were going to have tomorrow. And that's how people do it today. They go about their daily routines like they're going to have tomorrow. They make plans for next week. They make plans for next month. They make plans for next year and all that kind of thing. But really, all we have is right now likewise also as it was in the days of lot they did eat they drank they bought they sold they planted they built it or built but the same day that lot went out of sodom it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed how many them all even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day, he which shall be upon the housetop and his stuff in the house, let him not come down to take it away. And he that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. Remember Lot's wife. Whosoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it. And whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. I tell you, in the night there shall be two men in one bed, but one shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding together. The one shall be taken and the other left. Two men shall be in the field. The one shall be taken and the other left. And they answered and said unto him, Where, Lord? And he said unto them, whosoever uh, the body is, thither will the, will the eagles be gathered together. So wherever, that, wherever the dead corpse is, that, uh, that's where the eagles, that's where the birds are going to uh, gather. And so he said, one shall be taken and the other shall be left. But it was because of the position that they placed their own selves in, whether or not they were ready to be taken. See what I'm saying? Because Jesus said he's coming back for a church without spot and without wrinkle. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. 
I only have a couple more scriptures, and I'll let y'all go. Hebrews 11. How many know that's the faith chapter? Why did Noah build that ark? You know, Hebrews 11, verse 7. And you know, you think about your family members, and you think about your friends, and you think about all those people, you know, and it will behoove us to make sure that we not only have it right with the Lord, but that they have it right with the Lord. Because what kind of friend will we be? We know the truth, but yet we're, you know what I mean? And it's like we're not sharing the truth with them because, oh, maybe they'll reject me. Maybe they'll reject uh, the truth. They're not rejecting you anyway. Jesus said if they reject you, it's not you that they're really rejecting. It's me that they're rejecting. But it's our job, whether they reject it or not, to tell them anyway. You know why? Because on that day, they won't be able to say that nobody told me. I didn't know, Lord. I didn't realize that you were coming back again. I didn't realize that I was supposed to live holy and that you were going to judge sin. Yeah, you did because he opened the book and said, look, David told you right there, on this day, at this hour, in front of your house, there it is. I won't be able to say nothing. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. By faith, Noah, being warned of God, of things not seen as what? As yet. as yet. That doesn't mean it wasn't coming. Remember I started the class off that way? So that means the Holy Spirit trying to tell us something because I didn't plan that. <laughs> he said that he warned them of things huh? not seen as yet. Moved with fear. But there's, there's a certain kind of respect for God that we're moved by it, and sometimes we just we just fear God. Prepared an ark to the saving of his house by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. How many of us care that much about our house to get ourselves in position that everybody's in my house? My children going to be saved. Everybody that's with me going to be saved. Ain't nobody's nobody going to hell in this house. <laughs> Huh? Y'all gonna get down there, y'all serve God, y'all gonna pray, y'all gonna read y'all Bible and everything else. I am so glad that my mama brought me to church. I am so glad because she realized that not only she had a responsibility to God, but she had a responsibility to everybody else that was in her house. Let me tell you something. We have a responsibility, not just to God personally, but we have a responsibility to our children, to our nieces, to our nephews, to our brothers, our sisters. Even to our neighbors, we have a responsibility to all of them because you know. You have the word. You know God. You have the way. And it would be, be just wrong for us, any of us, to let them slide off into hell and not tell them anything. Because we have it. We know the way. So the, the, our job is to what? Take somebody else and say, look, come on, look, come on here. Come on. You, yeah, you might want to go to that club. But let me tell you something. Better stay out of there. A friend of mine told me about a lady that was going to the club, and uh, she, she, she wanted so bad to go to that club. She went to that club, and she went to the door, and she reached out to the door, and I said, Darlene, drop dead right there. Oh, wow. Drop dead right there at the door. Mm. First Peter, chapter 3. A couple more verses. Y'all bear with me for two more verses. Is that all right? All right. 
All right, I heard two people. Okay. <laughs> Come on, Rev, it's time to go. It's just 8 o'clock, y'all don't worry. <laughs> First Peter, chapter 3. And verse 20. Trying to see if that's really where I want to start at. I think so. I'll tell you what, let's begin at verse 16. First Peter 3, 16. Having a good conscience, that whereas they speak evil of you, whoever they are, as of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. For it is better... If the will of God be so, that ye suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to who? To God. Being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit, by which also he went and preached unto the spirits, where? In prison. Which what? Which sometimes were disobedient when once the long suffering. Did you see that? The long. Didn't I say that God will wait and he'll wait and he'll give chances after chances after chances after chances. Even a parent will give chance. After, isn't that right? Your chance after chance. I remember when they used to get that strap. Look, I, I, look I'm, I'm telling you now. See when they, see when they say I, I'm telling you now? There's only going to be so many I'm telling you now. There ain't going to be so many of them. And the next thing you know, <laughs> hand grabbing your arm. Didn't I tell you? Didn't I tell you? I told you. Didn't I tell you? Oh, yeah. Y'all know about that. <laughs> when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of who? Noah. While the ark was a preparing. While they were clowning, Noah was building. While they were clowning and Noah was building, God was getting ready to do what he was going to do. Wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience, washing our conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ who is gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. So when I asked you earlier, I said, you know, what was God right? Was he righteous when he destroyed those people? It's like they didn't really have a chance because they didn't listen. They brought it on themselves. They didn't listen, so they didn't really have a chance. Isn't that right? That's what I asked, right? But then we just read that Jesus went down into prison, into the lower parts of the earth and preached to those same people that were during the time of Noah that was stuck on the outside of the ark that got drowned because God will not uh, bring judgment upon the earth and not give everybody a chance to do the right thing, not give everybody a chance to respond to him. Jesus went down there and he preached to him. He said, this is what Noah was talking about. huh?" He said he went down and he preached. I don't know what he preached, but that's what he went down there and preached. The gospel to him. He gave him a chance. I don't know whether they responded or not, but he still gave him a chance. He gave Judas a chance. He gives everybody a chance. But it's up to them, it's up to us to respond. One more scripture. 2 Peter 2 5. 2 Peter 
chapter 2. Tell you what, let's begin with verse 1. But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you today, who privily or privately shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of and through covetousness shall they with feigned words of false words make merchandise of you trying to get money and, and bring up your money and throw it on the stage and all that kind of stuff and you know Whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. For, listen at this, for if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment and spared not the old world, but saved Noah the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringeth in the flood upon the world of the ungodly and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemn them, let me see where I'm at, condemn them with an overthrow, making them an example unto us that, that after should live ungodly and deliver just lot vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked for that righteous man dwelling among them in seeing and hearing vexed with his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds church we 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 have to we have to stay with god we have to we do everything that we can do to make sure that we're right with god every day because there are things that will try to creep into our lives into our hearts that will try to pull us away from god but remember this, that the judgment of God is coming upon the earth and that God right now, people think, well, you know, there's a verse and I didn't get to it, but it said all things continue as they have from when our fathers fell asleep. So people are going to say, well, no, I don't believe that judgment is coming because, look, you get up every day, it's sunshine outside. You know, it's not raining, it's not raining, it's that and other. But they said that also in Noah's day, right? Noah was talking about rain, but it wasn't rain. They got up day after day after day after day after day. But there was a day when the rain did come. And so the same thing upon this earth. So the Bible says, don't be weary in well-doing. Because you will reap if you faint. If you faint not, it's conditional. If you faint not. And what I'm saying is there is a day when all of our trust in God, when all of our holding on to his hand, when all our doing the right thing, when all our praying and everything else will be rewarded because God will not allow his people, if we're in the ark, to be swept away with everybody else. But there's a day when God will take us out of this world. But we have to be ready. We have to be ready to meet him. And not only that, but I don't want to just meet mother to be ready to meet him, but I want to take somebody else with me. I want to open the door of that ark and say, come on in here because it's about to rain. You better get on in this ark 
Don't, don't look at outside. Don't look at the sun right now because the sun is about to disappear. And it's not going to be there for a while because they were in that ark for a while. They were in there for a while. They were in there as long as God had them in there until God caused the water to receive. We'll get to that later. But judgment is coming. We need to be ready. And, and I will be remiss as a pastor not to remind all of us, me too, 